Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone and greetings in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. I'm so happy today to continue with the study of the letter that Paul writes to the Galatians. And we're going to be in chapter 1 today. Go back and listen to the background. I'm not going to repeat the things that we have said. Just a short mention that Paul, a Jewish man who was persecuting the Jewish believers, who was from a Pharisaic background through the house of Hillel, we won't go into detail about that, is, has now come to faith, and God is using him. He was at Antioch, part of the congregation at Antioch, where the name Christian first develops because st- the city starts calling them, mocking them as Christians. The word Christ is the Greek word for anointed one. In the Hebrew language, it is Messiah. And he had been persecuting the believers, but now he has been radically saved by an an experience as he was going to Damascus to try to find Jewish believers, bring them back to Jerusalem, and have them locked up and put into prison. God revealed himself to him. The Messiah reveals himself to him, and radically he has changed. And he starts to understand after his salvation, and he receives the Spirit of God, and his eyes are opened up, he understands that God is going to use him among the Gentiles. He really starts to see this in this first missionary journey. This is Acts 13 and 14, where he and Barnabas are used by God, and Gentiles in mass numbers start coming in to the faith through this new covenant and worshiping the God of Israel through the Christ, the Messiah. So we see this taking place, and that is the background in which we're dealing with. So now he's writing to these Gentile believers in the region of Galatia, the southern region of Galatia, writing to them because some have come in and started distorting the gospel. So that's a little bit of the background. Not going to go back and repeat everything that we said in the first podcast, but now we're going to start looking at the chapter Yoni is with me again in this podcast, and I praise God for that. Today, he's going to be reading from the New American Standard Version, and he's going to start by reading the first five verses of chapter one. So as he's reading, follow along with him, and we'll go through the whole chapter today, and we're going to see what God is saying in this first chapter from Paul to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. In Paul's letters, in all of his letters, he always identifies himself. 
And in this introduction, he identifies himself as an apostle that did not come through the agency of man, but this was from God, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He is an apostle. An apostle is one who is sent out. Apostolic ministry is about one who is sent out. He's not sent out by man primarily, even though they were sent out by the church at Antioch. But ultimately, he is sent out because of God's calling upon his life. And he and Barnabas are going to plant these churches in the region of Galatia, and he's writing to them, to the congregations of Galatia. And he always brings God's grace, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4 is very important because in this verse, he's giving the essence of his message who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age. So when you look at this, what is the new covenant all about? If you would go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, the new covenant is going to be different than the old covenant. The new covenant is going to be where God puts his law within their hearts. It's not going to be on tablets of stone, but it's going to be written within their hearts. And everyone within this new covenant is going to know God from the least to the greatest. And if you have to run to anyone to know God, then you have not come into this new covenant. And so if you have to run to a priest or a rabbi and they have to be a mediator or a person in order to know God, you have not come into the new covenant understanding of what God promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. What is this new covenant based upon according to the prophet Jeremiah? Because he will forgive you of your iniquities and your sins will be remembered no more. This whole new covenant is based upon the forgiveness of sins. How do I know God? Because God has forgiven me. How is the law of God written upon my heart? Because of the forgiveness of sins that has come into my life. So what is the gospel all about? God has forgiven me of my sins, and he has rescued me from this evil world. That's in verse 4. This is what is going to be challenged by people that are going to be coming from the outside to the region of Galatia. I just want to point that out, that that is not enough, that it's not complete, that a person is not saved completely by the grace of God through faith in Yeshua, who brings in this new covenant and the forgiveness of sins. So a question. So when he's writing to the church of Galatia, he's writing to churches that he himself planted. Yes, as you go back and read Acts chapters 13 and 14, these are several communities of faith that they have preached, they have taught, they have discipled, and they have placed elders in charge of these communities of faith, these congregations, that when they meet together, they have spiritual leaders. Mm. So in each one of these cities, they spent some good amount of time establishing a community of faith. Acts chapters 13 and 14 represent three years of ministry. Sometimes we read through it and we think, oh, they were here for a day or two or for a short amount of time, and the whole missionary journey is maybe three months. This is actually a three-year period Mm -hmm. in which they are establishing these churches, plural, of Galatia. 
And so it's a great question that you bring up here. And, and then when he says at the very beginning, Paul an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, it seems to me that he's referring to his Damascus Road experience with the light coming down. Is that what your reading of this is? Uh, most definitely. Okay. And if you go to Acts chapter 9, I encourage everyone to read about this conversion experience because Shaul, his name, is angry, and he feels like that he is doing the right thing. He has a zeal for God, but not according to truth or knowledge. And he is actually the one leading the persecution against these Jewish believers that are naming the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus. And so outside of this experience where he's blinded by this light, Jesus reveals himself to Paul. And then Ananias goes and visits him and lays hands on him, and he receives his sight, and he receives the Spirit of God. And and right after that, God speaks to him about how he's going to use him to speak to Gentiles, to kings, to the sons of Israel, and how much he will suffer for the sake of the gospel. And we see that in Acts chapter 9. So yes, I think most definitely he goes back to this initial experience, and you're going to see this come out in the rest of the chapter as well. So let's move on, and let's read verses 6 through 10, as Yoni's going to read for us. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say to you now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Here Paul is perplexed. He is amazed that so quickly people have come in to these young believers and distorted the gospel and they took hold of it. Now remember, these are Gentile background believers that have come into the faith and others have come in and distorted the gospel. And he says to them two times here, and in any time that Paul repeats himself, he is really serious about what he is saying. And you see this several times throughout his writings. I'll give you an example. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's really emphasizing that in the letter. In fact, the letter to the Philippians, the main theme is rejoice or joy. And it's incredible that he's writing under house arrest when he writes that letter to the believers at Philippi. So he repeats himself. One of the strongest warnings to people that preach a different gospel is found right here. He says, if we, if we come back and we change our message from what we initially preached to you, If an angel from heaven, a messenger from heaven comes, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, let them be anathema. Let them be condemned. 
Some translate this eternally condemned. This is how serious it is that we preach the true gospel. Yoni, you and I could disagree about things about the end time. We could disagree about free will of man versus mankind not having free will. We can go into all kinds of things. That does not, does not separate us as brothers in the Lord. But we must be on the same page in unity that we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Yeshua. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness. And we come into the kingdom by this faith. And we are a child of God. And we stand complete in the Messiah. If we differ on that, that's a di- then we have different gospels. And we're not brothers. We're not in unity in the faith. In fact... Paul is saying, if someone comes and preaches them, let them be condemned. If I preach that to you, a different gospel than what we initially preached, let me be condemned. And he says it two times. And then in verse 10, he is bringing out this understanding that you see throughout Paul's writings. Paul is writing from the perspective that his calling, his ministry, what he is doing comes from God, not from man. He is not seeking the favor of men, but of God. And all through his ministry, and let's think of his ministry, his ministry is going to start, as far as his missionary journeys, around 46 AD. Now, he's ministering prior to that, but the first missionary journey is in 46 AD, and he's going to be executed around 57 AD. So for these 21 years and prior to these 21 years, he is ministering because he understands this is God's calling on his life, first and foremost. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned about men recognizing us and the calling of God upon our lives. But he's not doing this because of man. He's doing this because he seeks the favor of God. This is the gospel that came to him. This is what changed his life. And he's not willing to compromise the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we read this, I feel this sadness because we could look at this and just think this is like an academic thing, talking about the gospel and not changing the gospel, but it's very real, and I've seen it where 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 preachers or leaders, they, they start with the gospel and then they add things to it, thinking that the gospel is maybe just the beginning. But now that we've had the gospel, we need this, this, or that, and it brings death and destruction. And so anyways, when he's, when he's talking about let them be accursed, it seems, you know, it, it, it feels very real to me because I think it's much more prevalent than, than we like to think it is. Yes, and remember, this is how we come into the kingdom, by the grace of God through faith. And this is how we come into God's kingdom. This is how we stand before God holy because of what Yeshua has done. Mm-hmm. He took my sins upon the cross. He died for my sins, brought in a new covenant established in his blood, and I am forgiven, and I am set apart not to live for the world, but to live for God. Mm -hmm. Simple, basic gospel that we should never get tired of hearing. Mm -hmm. It should be a fresh and new every day within our lives. We stand here by God's grace Mm -hmm. and his mercy. And salvation is not of us. Salvation comes from God through His Messiah, and it's by His grace we are saved. Let's continue. 
Yoni, could you read verses 11 through 24? And in these verses, Paul is going to defend his ministry and what God did in his life from the very beginning as he brought the gospel to the Galatians. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Let's stop right there, Yoni, and and hit some things here that are very important as we go through these verses, and we'll read the rest here in a few minutes. As we look at this, he's defending his ministry, but he wants us to understand that he received this revelation of Jesus Christ. It was not taught to him by man. That's the reason why you have to go back to that Acts chapter 9 that we talked about earlier. This was a revelation of Jesus Christ, God revealing himself, who the Messiah is, and who is Shaul persecuting He's not persecuting all of those believers. He's persecuting Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. And we see that in that experience. And outside of this experience, he would not be a believer. He would still be out there persecuting Jewish believers, thinking that he's doing the right thing, thinking that he's doing something that's pleasing to God. In his former life, he reminds them, when he says in Judaism, he's talking about his life back in Judaism, separated from the Messiah. How he used to persecute the believers. He tried to destroy it. He was advancing in Judaism beyond many of his contemporaries. As you go into the book of Acts, he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, he was a Pharisee through the house of Hillel. Gamaliel is the grandson or the great-grandson of the great Rabbi Hillel and the traditions that come through his teachings. So if he studied at the feet of Gamaliel, that means he's one of the top students. Here in Western culture, if we go to a meeting, everyone tries to get to the back. But in that culture, if you're advanced and if you're one of the best students, disciples, you are given a front seat, and you are, you are sitting at the feet of whoever is teaching. That's a great honor. That's showing that you are advancing more than your contemporaries. And so he brings this out, and he is zealous for his ancestral traditions. Now, I believe that is a reference to the oral law, the traditions of the elders, you see this, for example, in Matthew chapter 15, the traditions of the elders. This is the oral law that is passed down from Hillel. Hillel had a tradition of the oral law that many times was in contradiction to the great rabbi Shammai. You had Hillel and Shammai, and he studied under Gamaliel, was the house of Hillel, 
and it was all about the oral law, how you could keep the written law by keeping the oral law. And if you keep the oral law, you're fulfilling the written law. And so he was zealous for this, and he actually felt like he was doing the right thing by persecuting these Jewish believers that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Then in verse 15, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, this is something that is acknowledged throughout Paul's writings, the foreknowledge of God. We see the same thing basically being said about Jeremiah the prophet and his calling. We understand that God knows all things, and he understands this, and he has been set apart by God from his mother's womb, and he was called through God's grace. It was the grace of God that brought this about within his life. And this grace was to reveal his son, verse 16, in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, this is where we are understanding that Paul fully recognizes God's calling upon his life to the Gentile world. It's coming about as part of his conversion, as part of what God spoke to him in Acts chapter 9, and this is a recognition that he might preach him among the Gentiles. Now, I want to say this. It was always the plan of God through the Abrahamic covenant and even through the Mosaic covenant that the world would come to know the nations, the nations and the Gentiles are one and the same. In fact, it's the same world, uh, word, that they would come to know the God of Israel. And now this is being fulfilled through the Messiah. Gentiles are coming to faith in mass numbers. Now, Paul recognizes his calling to go to the Gentiles to preach him among the nations, among the Gentiles. And now this is starting to be fulfilled, and he's part of this fulfillment. He says, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. When he had this experience, he did not just go asking people, what does this mean? Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. He recognizes he's an apostle, but there were apostles that were before him. But I went to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Now, maybe he went out and had some time in prayer, just seeking God. But he did not immediately go and find, well, let me find the apostles, the uh, pillars of faith in Jerusalem. But he went to Arabia, and Arabia was a much larger land understanding than what we think of Arabia today. So how far did he travel? We're not sure. But he went out, spent some time, I believe, in prayer, and then he goes back to Damascus. Now let's read from this point, from verses 18 through 24, to continue to read. Can I ask a question real quick? Yes. Um, so when he says, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who are possible before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Do you think he's saying this in some way to strengthen his argument? Because he's kind of trying to validate his background. I'm curious if there's something there you think is, is strengthening his argument with that, or he's just trying to give some maybe historical background. I try not to assume things or to make strong teaching on assumptions. Mm -hmm. So I assume he went out to Arabia to spend some time in prayer, but I'm not teaching that as a fact. As I look at this, I believe he's just honestly giving his testimony of what happened within his life, of how this 
gospel that he received came completely from God by God's grace. And he's Mm -hmm. illustrating it. Even after this experience, he went to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. He did not go Mm -hmm. to others to try to them explain to what had happened to him. But it was by God's grace that the Messiah was revealed to him Mm. and that he received this in his life. So kind of bringing it all together to, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, essentially. Yes, Mm. right. He went out into Arabia. He had this experience with Ananias, came and prayed for him, and uh, his eyes were open. He received the Spirit of God. There was probably a prophecy over him, or God spoke to him about his calling. Part of that calling was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So after that, he goes out into Arabia. I'm assuming he went out and spent time in prayer, just praying and seeking God. But he did not immediately say, now I've got to go back to Jerusalem and consult with those apostles that I was trying to stop. He went to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. I think illustrating all of this came from God. Mm. So now let's read verses 18 through 24. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Now when we look at these verses, it was only after three years that he went to Jerusalem. He met with Petros, Peter, Cephas. And he was there for 15 days. He wanted to become acquainted with him. He did not see any of the other apostles except for Jacob, the Lord's brother. And there, there's something interesting that I want everyone to see in this first letter. You have the 12 apostles, including Matthias. But also in this letter, Paul is an apostle. Jacob is an apostle. So you have the 12 apostles, but there's apostolic ministry that's greater than the 12. Now, that's very important when we get into a lot of different systematic theologies and we look at apostolic ministry. Many groups say the apostles are not for today, that there's not apostolic ministry for today. And I believe that apostolic ministry continues even to this day. But we're not going to go into that. But I want to point out that Jacob is called an an apostle, and Paul refers to himself as an apostle as well. So he made himself acquainted with Cephas and with Jacob. He saw him, one of the other apostles. And he is writing this, not lying. He's telling about this experience. Then he went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the congregations of Judea, which were in Christ, in the Messiah. But only they kept hearing. They may not recognize him by sight. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. So the testimony 
was building up in this region. Shaul, who was trying to kill us, trying to persecute us, is proclaiming the faith. And this was building up the faith of the believers. They're glorifying God for what God has done within Paul's life. And he wants to make this known to the churches in Galatia. This is his personal testimony. This is a defense that he's bringing forth of his life about the gospel that he preached. What he preached to the Galatians is what he experienced within his own life. And this is going to give him the foundation to move forward when we get to the next chapter. And remember, there is not chapter and verses in the originals, but as he moves on from this personal testimony to this private meeting he's going to have in Jerusalem. I'm going to close today with a prayer that the Lord gave to Moses to give to Aaron for the people of Israel. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. May God bless you today. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.